Um, as we said just before the service, it's two weeks to Christmas. Two weeks. Now, if you're young and you've been waiting for a long time, you'd be like, oh, we still have two weeks. And for the rest of us, we're like, whoa, there's only two weeks until Christmas. The countdown has begun, and we're moving quickly and quicker and quicker and quicker to Christmas Day and the celebration of the birth of Jesus. Now, this is the third week that we are looking at some of the traditional Christmas themes. We started with the theme of hope, and then last week we covered peace, and today we focus on joy, and then love. What? We're stressing out that your fingers look very close to the fire. It's an optical illusion. Okay. But it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be. And then on Christmas Eve we will light our Christ candle. And uh, we'll do one of our cool traditions, which is everyone gets a candle and we can sing Silent Night together, even though it'll be 11 a.m. on Christmas Eve morning. But we can still sing it then anyways. Um, one of the reasons that it's always a good idea to look at these themes is that it's so easy for us to get too busy. And we forget. And so we need to remember these themes amidst all of the busyness of this season. We remember that Jesus' birth was a gift to us, bringing the amazing gifts of hope, peace, joy, and love to us. Gifts that we can actually experience in this life. So today as we focus on joy, I was trying to think of a few examples, and here's just a few ones that might bring you a measure of joy in this season or possibly not. Here's the first one. You go through the drive-through of your favorite place to grab coffee, and you get your favorite drink, and you pull up to the window, and they say, guess what? The car in front of you already paid for your drink. Joy producing for some of you? Unless you really wanted to pay for your drink, then maybe it's not so joyful. Or what about you wake up Christmas morning and you find that it rained one more inch overnight or maybe even this morning and everything is now wet after being dry for so long. Joy? Joy. Yes. Except for those of you that don't like very rainy. Um, Karen, I found that out about you. At least excessive rain. So, But it could be a, a joyful moment or maybe frustration when you struggle to find where you last put your raincoat and where it was located. Last one, your Christmas tree finally drinks enough water so it doesn't dry out and keep dropping needles all over the floor. A moment for joy? Yes. Unless you decide last year like we did to finally bite the bullet and get a fake one. I, even though I resisted for almost 20 years. There are so many different examples, silly and not, that can be opportunities for joy for us. And maybe some of you saw in those simple examples reasons for joy, or maybe you thought of something else in your mind. For many of us, our joy in life is largely determined or connected to what is going on in the ups and downs of our life. When things are going well, we feel pretty good. We might even feel more joyful. When things are going poorly, we feel bad. Jesus was born, however, so that our joy would not have to ebb and flow like the rest of our life. 
like our daily experience, but actually that joy could be that constant drumbeat or that constant thing within you, that source of strength and hope that helps you keep your eyes and heart fixed on Christ. Later in Jesus' life, he is speaking to his followers, his closest disciples, and in John 15, he said, he said all all these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The very next chapter is when he lets his followers know that he's about to do something that they're not going to be happy about, that he has to die and leave them. When Jesus came to earth, and when we celebrate his birth at Christmas, we now have the source that gives us joy day in and day out, even if you are up or even if you are down, even if you are feeling it, even if you are not. It's a primary reason why joy is at the heart of Christmas. Now, when John wrote his account of the good news, he gave a different perspective on the birth of Jesus. He didn't go into all the details like some of the other gospel accounts do in Matthew and Mark and Luke. And rather than tell us his eyewitness perspective about what happened with the shepherds and the angels and the magi, he gives us a big picture explanation. If you have a Bible, you can open up to John chapter 1, or you can put it up on your phone, and there's one verse I want to look at today. And I know that's unusual, because normally I like to look at a lot of verses, but we're going to look at one primary verse today, John 1, 14, and this is what it says. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of, what? Grace and truth. In your Bible, it probably has word capitalized, capital W, because as Pastor Amy shared just a few minutes ago, word, capital W, is referring to whom? Jesus, that Jesus, who always existed, became flesh, flesh and bone, blood and sweat, one of us. When Jesus was born in the manger, he was God coming to live among us as one of us, a real human being, not just an image or a mirage or a ghost. He didn't just appear human, he was human. When it says that he made his dwelling among us, I love that word dwelling. Do you know that that word literally means he pitched a tent to be with us? That means Jesus didn't come to be a dinner guest that shows up at your house for a few hours and then goes home. He pitched, it's like he came over to your house and he says, I'm gonna pitch my tent in your backyard and I'm gonna stay a while. You might not like that, but that's what he did. He pitched his tent. That word actually relates back to the Old Testament. How did God go with the people of God? 
in the Old Testament? What did he allow them to make that his presence would dwell among them? They made something called the tabernacle, which is basically like a glorified tent, like a canopy. And inside that was the place where the presence of God dwelt among his people. And that was just a very, um, that was just one image that was sort of leading up to this particular moment with Jesus here on earth dwelling with us. This passage actually, this verse actually gives us just a couple of reasons why this gift of joy does not have to change with the seasons or shift with our situations. The first reason is very simple, or at least simple enough. We receive this gift of joy because, and you can probably guess this, God came to us. Do you know out of all the major religions of the world, the Lord God is the only deity that actually came to earth to be with people. God came to us. Now our brains have trouble with this sometimes. And sometimes we forget this, that God is actually still with us right now. And sometimes we think that to be back in good standing with God, we have to work harder. We have to work hard to be perfect. Or we have to strive to do more and more. And when we start to think that way, that actually saps and robs us of the joy that we can have in the reality that God dwells with us. Now, of course, we know that we are broken and flawed and imperfect people. We make mistakes and we make selfish decisions. And if we rely on our own ability to stay clean enough and earn a connection with God, we're always going to be disappointed because we can never measure up. That's why God came to us. I heard the story one time about a dad and his young daughter, and the dad had spent a lot of time cleaning the kitchen and then went out to run some errands. And he, when he came back, he discovered that everything was a disaster when he got home. Those of you that have uh, small children in your life, that might actually be a reality that you've experienced many times. And what he found when he got home was that his young daughter had been busy cooking for him. And everything was scattered across the counters and the floor, everything that he had just spent a few hours cleaning up earlier that day. And after a long day, he was not happy. But as he surveyed the mess, he saw a post-it note on the counter that said in kind of scrawled crayon, I made cookies for you, Dad, and a little smiley face. And suddenly in the midst of that mess, even though he knew it would take time to clean it up, and despite his irritation, there was a joy that suddenly sprang up in his heart. It was a feeling, he said it felt sweet and pure. It redirected his attention from the mess to the child he loved. Friends, this can be very similar for our joy in God and often how God views us amid our own mess. 
it can be hard for us to find a reason for joy in the midst of our messy lives. This was also true for many of those first people in the Christmas story who were simply struggling to live and survive and waiting and hoping. They knew that they needed a Savior and they had been waiting for hundreds of years. If we take a step back, however, as John does in his account, we might see God coming near to us like he did that first Christmas. You see, God knew that because of our messiness, we could never make it all the way back to him on our own. So what did God do? He came to us. The joy of this truth is simply described to us in Romans 5.8. It says this, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It doesn't say, get all your stuff together first, and then you're going to be good. It says, no, while we were still messy, Christ died for us. Because God came to us, there is not a naughty list. There is not a good list that we have to work hard to escape or earn. Those lists only exist with Santa, not with God. It's not a balanced sheet of debits and credits that you hope will balance out. Maybe that's the language language that speaks to you a little bit more today. It's not a sliding scale that we earn certain grades depending on what we do. No, the gift of God's grace is offered to us generously without price because we could never afford it on our own. The people in the Christmas story waited for and knew that a Savior was needed. And so we see their joy. Whenever you read the Christmas story, joy just pops out. Now, it's not complete joy. It's not joy that is apart from the circumstances that they were experiencing. We see joy in the shepherds. They receive this news from the angels, but they're scared. They receive this message of joy. We see Elizabeth, who was pregnant in her old age, and when she approaches Mary, what does it say? It says the baby leaped for joy within her. We see Mary, as she's coming to grips with the fact that she's bearing the Son of God, she eventually comes to the point where she says, my soul rejoices amidst all of the uncertainty that she was sure to experience. Many, many people in the Christmas story experience joy in a variety of ways. God came to us. The second reason we receive this gift of joy is quite simply this. God fully loves you. God loves you fully. Another word you could put in there, if you know how to spell it, unconditionally. Maybe it has a little, few too many syllables. This fit a little bit nicer on the slide. God loves you fully. Now for those of you that have followed Jesus for a long time or been in the church for a long time, these seem like no-brainers. And they are in one regard. 
But for that, we are forgetful. And we need these reminders year in and year out. The second half of John 1.14 says that through Jesus we see the glory and fullness of God. And his arrival should fill us with joy because not only did God come close to us, but he came because of his love for us. We need to pause once again for this reminder. You are not merely tolerated or put up with by God. God doesn't just tolerate you or put up with you or your antics. God loves you fully, full stop. Some of you need that reminder today. We all need that reminder often. You are deeply loved amid the messiness and dysfunction that maybe is in your life or that surrounds your life. Because God has that perfect ability to look upon us with eyes that can see beyond all of that. God loves you just as you are when he came near to you that very first time. In fact, the love God has for us is like that of a father for his children. Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth. Now this is a kind of love in the best sense of the word. And this is key to understanding our second reason for this gift of joy. When Jesus came to us, it says he came full of grace, which is this wonderful, wonderful thing. It has so many varieties of meanings. It can mean things like favor or kindness or a gift or a blessing. Or I remember as a teen even learning the acronym GRACE, God's riches at Christ's expense, something like that. And it can even mean a few other things as well. Like an unexpected gift that you receive at Christmas and the joy that that can grow within you, so this gift of Jesus is a gracious gift from God. We haven't earned it. We don't deserve it. Yet God offers it to us. And when we recognize it, it can fill us with joy. I'll say it again. God fully loves you just the way you are. And here's the second part, dot, dot, dot. And he loves you way too much to leave you as you are. And I'll say that, amen. I was thinking the exact same thing. He loves us just as we are, and he loves us way too much to leave us that way. Because it says Jesus also came full of truth, full of grace and truth. You can think of it almost as like two hands being held out to you. In one hand, grace that allows us to be received and accepted into his family. And in the other hand, he holds truth, a truth that illuminates the areas of our life that Jesus will and can transform so that we are able to live as God most desires for us. 1 John 4.9, in the letters that John wrote towards the end of the New Testament, says this, This is how God showed his love among us 
He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That through the birth of that one little baby, we might have life. That we might receive that gift of joy, that joy that God always has and has perfectly, and that that joy may be made complete as we live through Jesus. Jesus came to us expressing the full extent of God's love for us because he desires that we would be able to find incredible joy in him. But in order to receive that full measure of joy, we learn to live through him in the grace and truth that Jesus brought to earth. Now, thankfully, Jesus helps us in this because he knows that we need it. We need his help. We can't do it on our own. As we said at the very beginning, Jesus does this so that his joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I want that. That sounds good to me. My friends, there is marvelous power in joy. It is a strength that can lead you through the highs and lows of your experience. It is also sweet to experience. It can be a comfort for the heart, even if you're not feeling particularly joyful or up at that moment. Our Father in Heaven sent Jesus to be with us because of his love for us. He came to live among us in order to demonstrate the fullness of this amazing grace and life-changing truth. My hope for you this Christmas is that you may come to find at the heart of this season a deep and abiding joy because of the love of God that is shown and showered upon you. For within that kind of joy is the power to not only change your life, but to impact the world for Jesus' sake. Friends, let's pray. God, I thank you for sending your son to dwell with us, to pitch a tent, so to speak, so that he would know what it's like to be one of us, to be fully human, and to experience the full range of human experience and emotion, the highs and the lows. God, thank you for that. Because of that, we know that when we reach out to Jesus, when we cry out to him, he understands us perfectly because he has been one of us and knows what it's like to be us. Thank you for that. God, will you remind us that even though Jesus had to walk a long road, he walked it willingly and gave up his life for us. And when he did, he opened up the pathway for us to live a new life. God, I pray for this group of people that you have gathered today, that by the power of your spirit, you would continue to lead us and guide us, helping to build us up in the ways that will increase our joy, give us strength for today, 
and bright hope for tomorrow. Oh Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus said, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again. I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. So my friends, as you go today, go in peace to love and serve the Lord your God and may his joy be made complete in you. Amen and amen. Have a wonderful week. We look forward to seeing you.